everyone. Welcome to another episode of At The Boundary, the podcast from the Global and National Security Institute at the University of South Florida. I'm Jim Cardoso, Senior Director for GNSI and your host for At The Boundary. Last week, we recounted a presentation made at the first GNSI Tampa Summit in March of 2023 about the then-growing dangers of the social media app TikTok. Dangers that eventually led to the banning of the app at the University of South Florida and many other universities and government agencies around the country. Today, I'm excited to welcome to the podcast the creator of that presentation, Tom Waters, the Assistant Director of Startups and Business Development at the Technology Transfer Office in USF Research and Innovation. In the months since that initial presentation, Tom has been asked to make this TikTok presentation at venues across the country, and he's had the chance to update it as the circumstances and situation has changed. Welcome to the podcast, Tom. Thanks, Jim. Nice to be here. So, Tom, I gave a very brief uh, background sketch, but tell us a little bit more about yourself, your professional background, and your role at USF. Sure. Uh, as you said, I'm assistant director for startups at the University of South Florida. Uh, basically, I'm taking university IP and creating new companies with it whenever possible. Uh, I'd worked with a couple of startups uh, previously. I was with uh, SPADAC, which was over at MacDill Air Force Base for a number of years, and then had my own startup as well called Autography. Uh, prior to that, I was in the uh, CIA's Economic and Trade Security Team. Uh, wrote a book about the agency uh, after I left a couple of years later. I was an executive writer for Jim Mattis when he was a CENTCOM commander, and I've written a couple of non-fiction books on innovation and strategy. And every now and again, I contribute to um, Cyber Defense Review and the Small Wars Journal. So, uh, and in all that, obviously a lot of opportunities I can see, but where, where did TikTok start to enter into kind of your um, your, your, your radar scope that of interest? It popped up uh, because of so much media attention about it, and especially the AI algorithm. And that's really what I took an interest in. And the more I delved into it, the more I was like, wow, this really is a game changer that's unique among all the social media platforms. And again, continue to dig into it. The more I found, the more concerned I became and realized I wasn't the only one. Yeah. And it's interesting part of your, you know, and I would, uh, you know, hopefully if you haven't listened to it, go back the last week, uh, last episode where Tom does his entire presentation and you talk about, you know, that uh, TikTok doesn't hide it as far as what they're no, doing. No. I mean, it's right in their terms of service or anybody, again, the terms of service is personal and when nobody reads that stuff, you know, you just scroll through it and, and you, and you sign it or you check the box or whatever, but it, right. it's all right there. All spelled out very, very clearly. Yeah. And, you know, based on your research and your observations, especially, you know, since last year, has your opinion changed on the danger of TikTok to national security or, or has your concern actually deepened? It's, it's actually deepened. Uh, unfortunately, uh, TikTok's CEO was uh, was back before Congress again this week being grilled with other tech CEOs, uh, which got a lot of TV time uh, about the threat that they're not dealing with uh, the threat to young people. Uh, and as if, as if to underscore that point, uh, the school system in Graham, North Carolina, believe it or not, took out all the mirrors from their bathrooms because so many of the kids were going in there during the school day and recording TikTok videos in the mirrors. And some of them were going in there up to nine times a day. And this is a middle school, not even a high like school. Like recording themselves in the mirror? Recording themselves on TikTok. And the, the school system finally just said, all right, enough of this. Go in there and take out the mirrors. <laughs> <laughs> okay. 
it's it's Can't amazing make this stuff up. <laughs> no, no, it's amazing the the second and third order effects that that exist there. Um, you know, in your comments last year, uh, again, and I would say, you know, everybody, you know, go back and listen to those. Um, and it's also on our YouTube channel as well. Yeah. You discussed some of the initiatives to ban TikTok within some states. I mean, even Amazon came up. Uh, India banned it outright in 2020. Other nations, governments have banned it from official devices. Right. And we talked about here at USF, the, the State Board of Governors banned TikTok from school-owned uh, devices and networks. Have have there been any new entrants in, in the, as I, as I would say, the no TikTok in my house uh, movement? Not in my backyard, yes. Not um, in my back. NIMBY. NIMBY, exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah, Judge uh, in November last year uh, blocked the Montana ban. Montana was the first state to really come out against TikTok. Mm-hmm. And now there's uh, there's 34 states overall uh, that have banned the tech, uh, banned the, the application from their state-supplied devices. Uh, on the private side, um, July, I think was July, June or July last year, Delta and Southwest Airlines came out and said, no TikTok on any company-issued device and no TikTok allowed on your personal device if that's the one you're using to access company emails, the, the network, or their uh, scheduling platform. If you recall, why did the judge um, not uphold the ban that Montana did? I don't recall the specifics of it. I know he's getting beat up, beaten up on it in the uh, in the press right now, especially with the other states that have now come on board, and, and to your point, including Florida. So it's not just USF. It's all the state universities here in Florida um, across the board. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, you also discussed the, the diminishing trust in, in traditional resources, I'm sorry, traditional sources of uh, information about the world. And to an extent, understand, kind of understanding what's pl- one's place in it. By right. You bring in information, you understand kind of what, what's your role in the world. You know, less than 50% of the U.S. population participates in organized religion. Less than 40% gets news from national broadcasts. And right. under 20%, that's probably single digits, let's be honest, yeah, yeah. express <laughs> trust in the government. I'm sorry, did I say that out loud? Um, so when TikTok followers are presented the facts about the platform, you know, beyond just the desired entertainment value, there's probably a feeling of, okay, yeah, I can't fully trust TikTok, but you know, I can't trust traditional institutions either. So, so what's the difference? But who can you trust? Exactly. So yeah. why, how, how, how do we combat that? Well, it is, it's a huge problem. And I would say the difference really, uh, when I talk to people is pointing out the Chinese communist party, the CCP, you know, communism has never been successful anywhere yet. For some reason, uh, young people in particular believe it's not a threat to them for whatever reason. Uh, I think as, as parents, perhaps specifically, and as adults in general, maybe we've been a little too protective of some of the younger generations. Uh, you have people streaming across the southern border, not just from Latin American countries, but from numerous countries, escaping communism and socialism. Yet young people here who have never actually lived under e- either of those models uh, don't seem to see it as a threat. Is it, the, is, I mean, it's the, so you think there is a um, kind of a, a political um, lack of awareness and it's not just the I like my TikTok and nobody's going to take it out of my, out of my cold, dead fingers to, to quote a different, uh, <laughs> different generation, <laughs> different and a different generation. Purpose, yes. <laughs> I think there is a, a fair amount of that. Yeah. But, uh, they just, I think they lack an understanding of what the real threat is because it's not visible. It's not in your face. And, that, and again, that's a lot of the problem in trying to explain what the problem is to, uh, to audiences in general, not just young people, or as we saw this week again with Congress, they don't see it. So they really don't understand what that threat is. Mm. And we'll talk about a little later, the kind of some of the uh, irregular warfare aspects that you yeah. talked about in your, in, in, in your uh, discussion as well. You know, but part of TikTok's allure, I guess, is, is part of the reason it is the world's most valuable startup, it as, is. You, uh, as you uh, articulated, is that 
the technology they use is just that good. Yeah. And in the years since we spoke, have you seen any other players emerge with similar technology? Uh, and if so, is there a similar danger we ought to consider in how we interface? Well, you're seeing that, or I think every day in the media with AI and now with deep fakes and everybody and their sister seems to be talking about that in particular. Uh, it's, you know, online trust is increasingly sacrificed upon the the altar of convenience, uh, at least in my estimation. <laughs> I, and again, I'm a huge fan of AI. And yes. I, you know, I'm not trying to suggest otherwise. And you state that very clearly. It's, it's, I mean, you see that the value. Yeah. yeah, it's doing incredible things in healthcare. We're not just two old crotchety old dudes. Ah, there's well, we might be chest. crotchety well, old dudes, but that doesn't make <laughs> but us not wrong. not in this case. Not here. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think it's going to be instrumental in things like chronic disease management, uh, from diabetes and cancer to PTSD and, and Alzheimer's disease. But the threat is not the technology. It's who's controlling it and knowing what their intentions are with it. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're doing a conference uh, in just about a month from yeah, now in yeah. March on artificial <laughs> intelligence and area strategic competition. That's the actual theme. But obviously, you're going to have a large national security uh, piece to it. But, you know, we're going to talk about, I mean, some of the, the great value it has in oh, yeah. how we approach national security, uh, but also some of the challenges as well, some of the policy implications, maybe even some of the ethical implications as well. It's not, yeah. uh, like you say, it's the tech, it's not, technology is not evil. Right. It's just, but it's just, it's, it's, it's how you're applying it. It's like managed by people else. Yeah. and and people have their own Agendas, shall we say. Their own intentions, evil and otherwise. Yes, exactly. Um, so, you know, last spring, a, a former employee of ByteDance, which is TikTok's Beijing-based parent company, right. uh, he outlined specific claims that the Chinese Communist Party accessed the data of TikTok, of, of, of TikTok users on a broad scale and for political purposes. Right. You know, this aligns with some of the discussion points about the relationship between ByteDance and the CCP that, that you brought up before. So, I, you know, I'm going to assume I know you're not supposed to assume, but I'm going to assume that you believe the employee's claims, uh, or is he even underreporting the full extent of the infiltration by CCP into ByteDance and, and therefore access to TikTok users' data? I think when I did the session, it was back in March. It was. It was last March. March. So almost exactly a year ago. Uh, okay. Wow. Um, <laughs> another employee has actually come out and has now testified in court in California about the very same problem. He has seen um, CCP executives accessing TikTok user data um, against the, quote, rules that they claim to have in, in place. So he was doing that in open court, which is a little bit different animal than somebody just coming out and making a media claim, oh, I saw you know X, Y, and Z do this, that, or the other. He's testifying in court, mm -hmm. uh, which is, I think, going to be a, a little bit different than uh, some of the results we've seen previously. He was claiming, his name was Yintao Yu, uh, he came out in June last year, that the CCP was spying on pro-democracy protesters in Hong Kong uh, using this, quote, backdoor access to TikTok, uh, what he called a God credential, uh, to bypass all the privacy protections the company had otherwise placed on TikTok data. If that turns out to be true, that is going to be a huge revelation, not just to the people in Congress that we were you know, talking about earlier, but to people across the country, I think. <laughs> But isn't, I mean, you know, in your, in your discussion, you talked about this, you talked about, I mean, and you, you look at anybody out there can go online and, and you just, you just type in TikTok, China, and you're, you're going to find articles and, and discussions about the fact that the Chinese Communist Party has these accesses. I mean, they, it's part of the Chinese, the, the, the political culture yeah. that the business is there. They, you'll they see, have you'll to report. See TikTok's own admission about some of the accesses that they have willingly revealed, not just in the U.S., but also against Australian users, which I, I think I talked about in March as well, mm -hmm. um, and also in other parts of Asia. So it's it, what they've admitted to is enough of a, of a concern. 
you have to wonder what they have not admitted. <laughs> yeah. Do you think, I mean, you said that'll be a revelation, but will it be? Is, or is it, or will, you know, I mean, is, is it really going to move the needle? One more brick in the wall. That's a good question, actually. Yeah, I, I'm not sure. I, I hope it will. I'd, I'm, I'd love to see the court system in California kind of double down on that because that is where their their headquarters facility is. So mm-hmm. you would That's think true. That they could go knock on the door over there and say, okay, we've had an allegation. We need to come in and check on it. I read somewhere that they think this employee, I mean, the counter argument, he's just a disgruntled employee that got fired. Mm -hmm. And so this is how he's, you know, he's striking back. Then it should be easy to prove that. If it's not easy to prove that, then why is that the case? Well, you know, the, the, you know, Chinese companies have all been so forthcoming and they're, they uh, are, they're, they're very, they're an open book, really. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so, you know, let's turning back to the TikTok, you know, potential TikTok bans. We right. talked about that a little earlier. So the bottom line in your research paper published by Genus, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing a bit. So if it, you feel free to correct me, but the one from my read was it stated that users, I mean, at the land, you do say users should delete the app from their phones and change every password these devices have ever conveyed. In fact, I think that's a direct quote, actually. I believe it is. So, so I'm assuming, I'm assuming. Assuming, again, you'd support the ban. So I'm going I'm, I'm to go on a limb here, you know. I do. But are widespread bans even enforceable? Because, you know, there's a difference between telling people, hey, don't do that. And I'm wagging my finger to everybody who's just listening. He don't is, do I, that. I see him doing He it. sees me wagging my finger. And people actually not, actually not engaging in the banned activity. Right. Well, I think from a technical perspective, I think, sure, we can ban a particular app or any other software, but enforcement of that is an entirely different matter. I just, I don't see the political will for it right now. Uh, We're racing towards yet another contentious uh, political season, and I think the next nine months are going to be even more divisive than either 2016 or 2020 were. Um, I just don't see banning TikTok as a fight a politician on either side of the aisle is going to be willing to take right now. Yeah. I, you know, this is, I, I don't know how related this is to be honest, but you know, it's, 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 it's my time. So I'm going to, I'm going to take the shot here. I read today <laughs> and this is, shouldn't be surprised that there's a very good chance that we're going to go again. Let's assume I'm going to make an assumption that the, the that Trump is going to get the Republican nomination, which is not, right. you know, set in stone yet. And, uh, and, and Biden will obviously get the Democrat nomination, but there's the discussion that it, it's possible. We have seen the last debate this presidential season yeah. and, and neither of them are going to debate each other, which means a lot of the um, discussion, a lot of the, uh, uh, you know, folks, you know, you know, you know, advocating their positions is going to come online right. or via other ways. And then you start getting into the area of AI, deep fakes and things like that, which TikTok, like you said, is very good at. They are exceptional at it. Yeah. They've the, actually have, a, they've had a deep fake company now for a couple of years, even before it was a popular term in our culture. They had one that, that launched back in 2020. I've heard it's called Deep Fakes Are Us, right? And that's, and that's <laughs> the name. I don't know. <laughs> no, but maybe we should copyright that right now. Maybe we should. Exactly. Yeah. They take advantage of that. It's gone somewhere. Their technology can actually put somebody else's face on a video and create it from a blank slate. So I can make you appear to be saying or doing anything that I want you to do and you don't know anything about it until after it appears online. And at that point, the damage is already done. You can't unring that bell, yeah. even when it's not a real bell. <laughs> yeah. It's, a, it's artificial, you know, AI bell even. Ah, I'm, my mind is swimming here. Yeah, um, yeah. The more you think about it, the more ugly options come to mind. Yeah. 
It, yeah, it, it just keeps, it just, you know, it just keeps multiplying on itself. And, and, you know, this actually, this is good lead in to kind of discuss, you know, I'm, I'm going to assume, I get, boy, I use that word a lot. I didn't realize you that. You do, yeah. But, but I, you know, I, but I don't want to put any words in, 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 in you know, in, in what you've seen and researched and observed. Sure. There is a difference in the approach to TikTok between the younger generation and shall we say the old dogs, you know, which I count myself, you know, right there's there another term, you. the old somethings. I'm not going to use the other term. Um, <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm a parent of some of young adults, actually. Yep. Um, and, and uh, you know, I you are too. Well. Yep. Uh, and it's just a fact of life that as time goes on, the non-TikTok users decrease and the TikTok users grow. I mean, that that's just called. I would know, call them addicts, but yes. Yeah. But, and that's just how life, it just moves forward, you know, and, and, and actually these TikTok users, addicts, uh, become more influential in size as society as a whole. I mean, they become the CEOs and the and yeah. and, and the and the leaders in in finance and in, in industry and in government and whatever uh, moving forward. Uh, so, is there a way then to address that difference now in order to arrest this natural trend line? I don't know. I think they already outnumber us, and <laughs> our, our numbers are dwindling down as theirs continue to increase. <laughs> that's, that's the way just time works. Mathematics, yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> so I, I don't know that there is a way to do that actually. Unfortunately. Yeah, no, I'm with you. Um, By the time they realize the wisdom we're trying to convey to them, it may be too late. Yeah, but we did the same thing. Our parents didn't know what they were talking about. I don't know what you're talking about. I was flawless as a child. (laughs) Yeah. Fortunately, my folks are not listening. So So if if my mother and father are listening, I apologize right right now for everything. Um, uh, You were so wise. (laughs) You know, in your presentation and your paper, you discussed uh, concepts of irregular warfare and and the population being the battle space. Right. And and your premise is that the CCP, and again, I'm I'm, I'm kind of paraphrasing, your premise is that the CCP is seeking to affect, and some might say control the population battle space by creating digital digital addictions, in this case, via TikTok, Uh, beyond just outright bans. And yes, I'm look, I'm about to, we're going to, we're going to delve a little bit, maybe unwisely into human psychology. (laughs) And neither of us is an expert on that. No. Um, Is, are there ways to affect social behavior away from TikTok reliance? Uh, I certainly hope so. And and the example that comes to mind is uh, Richard Thaler. He, um, is the University of Chicago. He received the uh, the Nobel Prize in 2017 for his work in behavioral economics. Now, most people have no idea who that guy is, except he was the one who very famously appeared with Selena Gomez back in 2015 in that movie, The Big Short. Okay. So they explained a very complicated investment instrument with the nuances of human, human behavior through a blackjack example. It was, it was a really great scene. And what it showed what Thaler is really good at, explaining a complex human behavioral problem in layman's language. I think we should probably get him looking at this TikTok problem to see what sort of behavioral economics tools can we use to dissuade people away from TikTok. Hmm. I don't know if I've ever seen that movie. I guess I need to oh, see that. Oh, you should that. watch that. Okay, it's, I need it's, to watch it's good. that. Yeah. All right, all right. It's it's a the, financial, the financial crisis uh, as a two-hour film, and it's an exceptional piece of work. Huh, okay. Yeah. Thank you. I'll check that out. So, um, uh, GNSI's mission, you know, uh, Global National Security Institute's mission, we, we seek to provide actionable solutions to 21st century security challenges for decision makers. Right. And so, if you were speaking directly to policymakers now, and look, as our podcast grows, perhaps you will be, yep. um, what would you tell them? Recognize the threat. Um, Google, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, they're all banned in China uh, because Beijing cannot control them. The problem is not the app or a particular technology like artificial intelligence or even the foreign ownership. The problem is, is the CCP's best influence tool over American free will. If it was just an app, 
The Chinese would have no reason to create one version for their own use and another for the rest of the world. Let's make that the distinction that we're trying to make people understand is the CCP is using this as a tool against us. And mm. until you recognize that, uh, it's going to get lost in this other argument about, you know, should we be banning this? What happened to free speech? Free speech is still free. It's a single app, but really do your homework on it. Mm. Okay. No, thank you. I, I mean, oh, and hopefully some, uh, you know, we'll continue to, I think we'll continue to beat this drum. Like I said, I mean, this is part two of, 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 of last week and you know, the last episode we, we presented your, your speech. So, um, and hopefully we'll have other opportunities as well in the future. As GNSI, we continue to do our mission. We do sit at the uh, boundary of technology and policy. So I would imagine that this is not the last time we've talked about TikTok. I imagine not. Because I don't think it's, I don't think everybody's, uh, now if everybody listens to this and goes, oh my gosh, he's right. Get this thing off my phone. Okay, problem solved. But I just have this sneaky suspicion that's not going to happen. Unfortunately, I think you're right. <laughs> Any final remarks as we uh, close out the podcast? Yeah, you know, I kind of go back to what I just said a moment ago. I would encourage people to go out there and do their own research. Go back and look for yourself at when and how TikTok launch. Where did they spend their advertising dollars? Ask yourself, where did that money come from? What return on investment possibly supports that kind of cost base uh, on their reported revenues? Then ask yourself, if it's not intended to make money, what is it for? Hmm. And that might be a really introspective moment for a lot of people. Hopefully people are willing to take that introspective journey. I hope so. Tom, thanks for your time today. Appreciate it. It's my pleasure. Always, always fun to talk to you. Many thanks to Tom Waters, the Assistant Director of Startups and Business Development at the Technology Transfer Office in USF Research and Innovation. You can follow him on LinkedIn, but not TikTok, at TJ Waters, or T-J-W-A-T-E-R-S. In the meantime, here's a reminder. The third GNSI Tampa Summit takes place on March 5th through the 7th at the Marshall Center on the Tampa campus of USF. It's free to attend and features the ninth Great Power Competition Conference and is titled Artificial Intelligence in the Era of Strategic Competition. Suffice to say, this is a topic of monumental significance, and our featured speakers reflect that. General Brian Fenton, commander of U.S. Special Operations Command. Eric Schmidt, former CEO of Google and chairman of the National Security Commission on Artificial Intelligence. And Craig Martell, chief digital and artificial intelligence officer for the Department of Defense. We're also honored to have remarks from the Deputy Secretary of Defense, Kathleen Hicks. We're also excited to highlight one of our breakout sessions at the summit. This session, titled Medical Integration of Artificial Intelligence, is being presented by our own Dr. Haru Okuda, CEO of the USF Center for Advanced Medical Learning and Simulation, otherwise known as CAMELS. Trust me when I tell you, that will be one you won't want to miss. Visit our website, usf.edu slash GNSI, to learn more about all our future events and to register. And please follow GNSI on our LinkedIn and X accounts at USF underscore GNSI. If you like what we're doing, follow the show on your podcast, tell somebody else about it, and give us a review. That's going to wrap up this episode of At The Boundary. Each new episode will feature global and national security issues we found to be insightful, intriguing, fascinating, maybe controversial, but overall just worth talking about. I'm Jim Cardoso, and we'll see you at the Boundary.